0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Will they grab your Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrew. Hebrew. It'll be chapter 12. I don't intend to beat around the bush or to leave you wondering what we were talking about. I believe that we're living in times of such spiritual ignorance we have to spell out and pronounce clearly what we're talking about. We don't need to preach in generalities today because the people go away in confusion or feeling that uh, he wasn't talking to them. But this morning, I'll probably visit your house before I leave this sermon. And I hope you'll be ready for the visit and you'll open the door and let me come in. Now, the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews is preceded by our lifelong chapter of faith. And that's chapter 11. There are 40 verses... And it closes out after putting all, not all, but many of the saints on the hall of fame that live by faith. Now, the theme, of course, of the book of Hebrews chapter 11 is by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. He starts off by saying, and in the, 11, in the uh, 10th chapter, he said, now, after you've done the will of God, you need patience until you, the promise gets there, until uh, the ship comes in. And dear friend, if you ever hear the fog horn, you know the ship's out there somewhere. And I've been listening to the fog horn for months. Now either he's lost his power or the tow boat didn't make it. And if he doesn't get in pretty quick, I'm going out with my little boat and tow him on in. Now, in the 10th chapter, he said, now the just shall live by faith. Then he comes into the 11th chapter and said now faith is that's the kind of faith we need now and is now is brother that's that's a double board double barrel present tense now faith is all right then he goes through to demonstrate and to hang on the wall abraham and um enoch and uh Abel and uh, Moses and uh, well he, and finally he came to the place he said and what shall I more say that time would fail me to tell of getting the bag of Jephthah of Samson David also and all the rest of them and he said who through faith subdued kingdom wrought righteousness and stopped the mouths of lions quenched of violence of fire how the weakness were made strong and uh, women received the dead raised to life you talk about a miraculous chapter and then he said now all of that is very fine, but notice the last verse or two, these all having obtained a good report card through faith, I started off, you remember uh, saying that. He said, through faith we understand that the world's and verse two for it by elder gained a good report. Now verse 39, and these all AWL having obtained a good report, through faith, Receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Now then, let's bring up us. I'm preaching to us this morning. I'm going to talk to you about us this morning. Huh? You're one of them. You can't keep from being. You're one, all you vesters, you're one of us today. And so I'm going to preach to you on this very thing. Wherefore, seeing we all Our compass about we're so great a cloud of witnesses let us here we come let us let us do what lay aside every weight every weight now folks don't let me lose my congregation how many weights are hanging on you today my prediction is I'm preaching to the finest people of this generation out in Radio Land, maybe a million people and uh, a, a fine congregation here. I'm preaching, but I wonder how many of us have weights on us. Have you ever run track? Do you carry any weights with you? No. Let us lay aside every, how many of them? every way, and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us, there we are, run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God brother you know why he got the job done he'd have still been standing and hanging on that old rugged cross but when he got it done he walked up into his intercessory office and puts all his lines in of 3 billion or 4 billion people and started answering the phone. Think of it. No busy signal, nope. no. No O.D. or out of order. And Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now then. He said for consider him. I wish we could get people to consider Jesus. That's life's main consideration. You know why you're miserable today? You haven't considered Jesus. You considered money, you considered pleasure, you considered boats and motors and running and vacationing and motor homes and everything. Why don't you consider Jesus today? Consider him who endured such contradiction of who? Sinners. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. For ye not yet resisted under blood, striving against sin. So folks, this morning, I want to preach to you. We've just come out of the hall of fame. And he turned and looked at us and said, Now then, seeing we're accomplished about with so great a cloud, look at them, there's their faces on the wall of faith. There they are. They're not perfect though without us. We've got to finish up some things. We've got to continue... We've got to win some people. We've got to do some things. We've got to build our homes and offer hope to the hopeless. I want to talk with you first of all about besetting sin. Let us lay aside every weight. Maybe we'll call this just the weights. And then because he says there's one besetting sin, the besetting sin. What are actually, if I were to name the weights that hang on the average Christian, good people, sweet people, church-going people, preaching people, teaching people, leaders in our enterprises—and what would our weights be today? What could I, if I name the weight? Number one, jealousy. Jealousy. Oh, old green eyes, jealousy. You say no anybody was jealous. Yes, yeah, Saul was jealous. It ruined him. Of course, I realized that uh, that it was a result. Jealousy is a result of a lack of spiritual knowledge and, and strength. When you begin to get jealous of people, your faith is in people or you want recognition from people instead of God. Now, the reason Saul became jealous, he was shallow. He became jealous of David. He ought to have been thankful to God and adopted David as his adopted son. He ought to have said, Son, come here a minute. Bless your dear heart. You went out there and passed up your big brothers and all my big army, and you went out there the slingshot, praised God, and killed old Goliath, and he's dead as a hammer and nail, and I just want to thank you for it. But I tell you what got him in trouble. When David came back, all the women came out. Now, if they'd have kept their mouth shut, it could have got, I mean, David. But they came out and said, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. Hooray for David. Oh, Saul, he said, mm-hmm. next thing you'll have the kingdom be sitting on my throne. Well, that's the truth, but you ought to be glad, bud. you got somebody like him to take your place. Jealousy. Jealousy. And he rejected the word of the Lord... When he rejected the word of the Lord, he became so jealous, he tried three times to kill David with a javelin, didn't he? But he missed him. You know, it's interesting and encouraging to know that the devil's crowd can't shoot straight at God's man as long as he's in God's will. The devil's crowd can't shoot into God's will and hit anything. They'll miss. And uh, I think we're going to face more dangerous days as the time unfolds. I think there's going to be dangers. Ah, uh, Listen, when I look back and see what the Lord has done, and then when I look forward to see what I know He's going, jealousy, jealousy. Husbands and wives can be so miserable, so jealous. I mean, husbands, wives, why don't you just live free in the Lord? Won't you respect it? Won't you trust one another? Some husbands, you know, they never would kiss their wife, but they shoot the first man that did. <laughs> <laughs> and then brag about it. Said, "I killed him." Yeah. Jealousy, littleness in the home. Husbands are why so slavish, so scared of each other, afraid of each other's shadow, brother. Don't let anybody take your liberty and freedom away from you. You belong to God. All right. Jealousy. Number two, self-pity. Oh, the pity parties we pitch sometimes. (laughs) Saul did it. He said, he said, nobody cares anything about me. Over there, you remember that? Nobody. He thought everybody turned against him. And, you know, a good man can sometimes kind of get down, hand fall under the juniper tree. Elijah did. But let me tell you something. A godly man will not build a house under a juniper tree. He'll not take the lumber in the juniper tree and make a house out and said, I just like it here so good. I think I'll live here. Oh, no, you won't. Brother, you're just passing through. Many years ago, I preached a message on Don't Part Here. Now, folks, uh, the juniper tree, you may get under, but don't make any provi- I mean, don't unpack your suitcase. God's got a way of getting, every- and if you're right with the Lord, God's got a way to get you out from under the juniper tree. And I tell you, my prediction is, there's more people in this generation living under the juniper tree than any generation that I know anything about. It. These are discouraging times. I mean, the famine is on and, uh, and the religious tide is out and religious fire, these revival fires have burned down to ashes and people are weary. There's homes broken and children gone. My daddy's told me this week, came to my study, said, I kicked him out. I told him, I said, out in my home you go. You're not, he won't pay me attention. He won't respect me and said, and I've never in my life seen I heard of as many boys beating up their parents as now. Now there's just something wrong with the daddy. Daddy, of course, would say, uh, "And and I know I'm a little blunt sometimes." And ah, uh, you mothers and dads that let your little old kids get by. They called me the other day about a little seven-year-old. Said, "Can't uncontrollable." They're getting younger. They want. It. They call us all the time from seven, nine, ten, eleven. Get a mother and daddy to take care of them. Well. Isn't it good though to so live and behave yourself that you can come back to where you used to be and be welcome when you get there? Let me tell you something. When you're hard to get along with, you are a sorry Christian. You put that down. I don't care whether you're a deacon, preacher, or what you may be. If you love Jesus and fill with the Spirit, of, you're easy to get along with. You're not fussy. Well, let's go ahead. We're talking about these weights. Let's get the weight of jealousy, self-pity, arrogance, conceit, and self-righteousness. The Pharisee, the Pharisee, he was praying. And uh, he, I imagine, put his hands up and said, Father, he tried to build a halo around his unholy head. I think thee. That I'm not as other men. I fast twice, and I think he held up two fingers, like the Lord couldn't count. Twice a week. Did you notice that? And he said, uh, I pay my tithes and make a note of that. And, brother, that stinks to heaven. That's right. He said, I'm thankful that I'm not like other men. This poor wretch over here. Oh, me, isn't that pitiful? Yeah. Bud, you don't know it, but you're pitiful. The most pitiful man on the face of this earth is the man that's self-righteous. You know what that is? That's flesh-righteous. And all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. You can't get an old sinner saved till you get him a sinner. And they will forget the woman called me and she was desperate. She said, Brother Lord, come, come. I said, what do you want? She said, come over and help me get my husband who lost that he's not bad enough to be saved. He thinks he's better than a lot of church members. He needs to know that he's lost. Self-righteousness, arrogance. Well, remember Herod? Herod got up and he made a great speech, probably written by one of his aides. He brought a great speech and the people, they <laughs> clapped their hands, they applauded and they said, it's the voice of a God and none of a man. And Herod's chest stuck out. And he said, I must be a great speaker. Tremendous orator. And the Lord sent an angel down and said to the worms, get him. And the worms ate him up. You know why? Arrogant. You know what's wrong with a lot of little girls? You come in proud, you want to stay proud. You're proud of your mother, and you're proud of your daddy, and you're proud of your church, and you're proud of your religion, you're proud of your clothes, you're proud of your education, you're proud of your mind, and you'll die with pride, proud flesh. I know there needs to be some spiritual pride, but listen to me. Uh, To me, pride, and the Bible said pride go before destruction, a holy spirit uh, before a fall. Not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise men at the flesh are called that no flesh should glory. In His presence. Number four, hairs away, And America's facing it. And that's laziness. I do not believe that a lazy man can ever succeed. Now, he may steal and get money. And a person that's really lazy has to steal. To me, laziness is a form of crookedness. Paul went so strong over there. He said, if you don't work, you don't eat. Laziness. Did you know that laziness will clothe a man with rags? And so, uh, everybody needs to work. I believe that it's impossible to be a good Christian while you're lazy. I believe it's a waste of time. It's a dissipation of life. You're, you're wasting your heartbeat and the blood that circulates through your body if it doesn't get something done. I tell you, of course, we live in the, in the midst of plenty. I went out yesterday in the tomato patch and in 15 minutes I had five gallons of tomatoes. Now what in the world would I need with five gallons? of, Would I just God enjoyed to pack. I like to pick them. And work it. work. Listen, it's the best therapy there is. I believe that if God's people would go to work, work their backyard, quit worrying about flowers and San Augustine grass plant groceries. Have you ever thought about why the Lord... Did you know that we had 59,000 pounds of peaches to come in yesterday? Now, I want you to know, That'd make a peach cobbler as big as Texas. And we've given, I've given them to the sheriff's department. We've given them to the tower boys. We've given them to the flight service. We've given them to our friends. We've given, and there'll be one of those big boxes of peaches out there when the service is over and you pick up all the peaches you can take with you. And if we run out, we'll go get some more. But listen, there's some work connected with it. My men work most of the night. The women work most of the night last night. Doing what? They put an air conditioner, took them money out of a train, and put it in my garage to keep the peaches cool. We got 20,000 pounds of peaches over there, I guess, in my garage right now. It's most of the night. Brother, if we'd work and stay busy, God will bless us. And then another thing. You'll never work very much until you get to the place where you enjoy working. We've got to have some older captains for all the book privates we've got. Now we need trainees, but we need trainers. Why, the field is white. Isn't it a shame, are you listening to me? Isn't it a shame that we would let money come between us and reaching people for Christ? We ought to get so disgusted with ourselves and our little faith. We ought to just ask the Lord for $10 out of whack. Amen. You say, well, what are you going to do about the 200000 that's due tomorrow? We're going to have it. By tomorrow night, we'll have it. Man came to me last night. He said, Brother Olaf, I could let you have $100,000. Boy, I tell you what, that's not chicken feed. $100,000, you think of that man walked up to my door this week. He said, Brother Olaf, the Lord wouldn't let me rest till I got this to you. Here's $10,000. Oh, listen. I'll tell you what. Um, God hadn't fired bankruptcy. i tell you where we failed. I, uh, our faith department is in receivership. Brother, he said, if thou canst believe All things are possible to him that believes. Let's make sure we know what to do with it and then ask God for it. All right. Oh, I haven't got started good. I want to give you... I'm talking about body destruction waste. Here we go. Now then, y'all move over because I'm going to sat down side you. Number one, only Only the devil knows if anybody, why cigarettes would ever be allowed in this country. And somebody said, could you go with me to see my daddy? And I said, yes. Not an old man. But I saw him dying. I smelled him dying. If you've ever smelled cancer, you'll know what it is when you walk into this place. Oh, the horrible smell. The man's skin. And bones. And so many years. Those old cigarettes have done their work. And now then. Their only child said to me. How do you prepare. For what I'm facing. I said only Jesus. Can prepare you. And remember what I asked you dad. I said are you trusting Jesus. With all of your heart. As your savior. And he said, all the way, Brother Olaf. Brother, he's packed his last pistol. He's made his last beat. He's driven his last patrol car across the streets of Corpus for 30 long years. A wonderful friend of this preacher. And yet, when you see cancer, and when you realize what causes cancer, it gives me courage to go to the pulpit, whether you like it or don't like it, and warn you about your cigarettes. I went in the home of a drunkard last night toward midnight, and I said to him, you're drinking? He said, yes, and it's my fault. And then he said, until we get rid of our cigarettes, we won't be able to get rid of our liquor. He's right. Let me tell you something. You might smoke and never drink, but you won't smoke and drink and give up drink without giving cigarettes up or you'll go back to your drinking. I'm as near, and I say this as humbly as I know I, I'm as near to the voice of experience as a preacher could be of this generation because look at the 46 years I've been dealing with drunkards, 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 and now them dope addicts. And I've told every one of them. And then when they come in, their coffee goes and their cigarettes goes and their Coca-Cola's go and their habit-forming things go. The waste go, oh. And until they do, they go back to drinking every time. Uh, listen, I got one now. Out of all of my experience, I've got one. I've got one, only one, out of all experience I've ever had that went back to cigarettes. So far as I know, they didn't go back to drink. Where's your conviction you ought to have? Teacher gets up with a cigarette package up in his pocket while he teaches boys and girls how to live. That's not right. Yes. Nobody has to smoke cigarettes after you get saved. I got a call yesterday. No, oh, what a tragedy. I guess yesterday morning earlier maybe the night before, a little bitty child, just a little bitty child, reached over and got the cigarette lighter and went in where two little eight-year-olds were sleeping and flipped the cigarette lighter and started the fire. And they never did get to the two little children. They were dead. Burned beyond recognition. Two little 8 Year-old children, and they're in their little old caskets today. You'd say what? A cigarette light? I know it could have been a match, but dear friends, I'm talking about laying aside the weights. I know what people say. Well, my doctor smokes. Well, so what? If he wants to have cancer. Let him have it. Yeah. He can get to the pills better than you can. Ah, listen. We talk about pollution and unclean air. Yes. Dope foods, junk foods, drinks. You know what they've done? They've stopped them from using the vending machines during the lunch hour in the public school system now. Looks to me like they'd go ahead and, go and get rid of them completely. If they just heard them at lunch, They could hurt him at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or recess time. All the stuff that you see like that and the sugars and the candies and and the carbonated drinks are killing our young people. When I came up, when I came up, boys and girls didn't have cancer. I never remember one little child, but they didn't have Cokes for breakfast either. They didn't have chocolate bars for breakfast either. The junk foods are killing our young people. And now then, the nation, after everybody's gotten a rotten body, have waked up and said, we've got to ban the vending machine. I've been warning you like that for 35 years. I've been telling you girls, the reason we don't drink coffee and carbonated drinks and tea, we want you to drink orange juice and eat peaches and watermelons and Cantaloupes and all the good things, and that's what makes you look so pretty, and you look like you're alive, and you don't look like a bunch of dead mummies like you did when you came in. We want to give you what's best for you. Weights, and I'm through, and I've got to close. There's no weight in America around the neck, there's no albatross in America that's as heavy as the TV set. Look like everybody now has started warning the people. Even the preachers are trying to clean up program. Oh, they said we got to clean it up. Well, we tried to clean up the picture shows years ago. We couldn't do it. Best way to do it, just get out of it. Only one way to cure a TV set and that's to kill it. Bury it. Chop it to pieces, get rid of it. No other way. For you to tell me, and I know different, I'm not spiritual enough to operate a television set. About every two years, maybe in a motel room, I'll turn on one of the things, maybe three years, just to see. I'm sick every time I see what they got on there. I mean, I want to kick the face of it out. And yet, the motel operator tells me, he said, Brother Olaf." I could rent this room better without a bed than I could a television show. The American idol, the television has ruined the minds of our youth. We got boys right over there now that are television zombies. When they come in here, their minds have been completely uh, Hollywoodized. They can't think unless they think of Hollywood. They're lost with that. Mothers and daddies, a preacher's wife said, my television set is my babysitter. And when that baby awakes, she sets it in front of that television set in the high chair and said, just watches it all to sit at entertainment. That's stupidity. That's child abuse. Now let me give him a text and close. Wherefore, seeing we also accomplish the Bible, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus. That's it. I've been on the negative side this morning, but let's get on the positive side as we close. Look into Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him Endured, he didn't enjoy the cross Endured the cross Despising the shame And he sat down at the right hand Of the throne of God For consider him Dear friend I ask you one thing and I'm through What would Jesus do If he came to your house And what would you do if you saw him Walking up the wall Wonderful, wonderful Savior, there comes Jesus The children say, mother it's Jesus coming to visit our house. Really, and they all look and said, that's Jesus. And Jesus comes and pushes the doorbell and waits for the privilege of visiting your children. Hmm? What would you like? What would you do? If you had Hollywood turned on and that strange fire flashing, what would you do? Well, I know what you could do. You could say, go to the the door and tell him we're watching TV and don't have time for him. Or come back when this show's over. huh? That's what you tell our people, some of you. We're not interested. I remind you when we go out visiting this afternoon, taking some peaches and taking the word of God, we'll be going in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is standing at your heart's door, standing and knocking, but he's not before. This is the question that you face once more. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be someday your heart will be asking what will he do with me let's stand together now forget about running the race of life it's already set let us run with patience the race that's set he got it already set you don't set the race you just run it but don't talk to me about running the race until you're willing to take off the weights just lay aside let us lay aside every weight and they sin maybe we'll spend a few moments tonight and deal with that uh, subject a little bit the sin that does so easily beset us oh this morning young people girls boys have you got a bunch of weights on you, like fussing, cussing, profanity, ugly thoughts, and a mind that's filthy. And uh, you've been mad, and you've been criticizing, and been bitter. you got bitterness toward mother and dad, and, and toward some friends and people, and oh, maybe toward the leaders in the dormitory. <laughs> Would you just say, Lord, help me to lay aside those weights so I can run with patience the race.